if we're talking money, the less self-aware you are, the more money you can make. Wow. Okay. The, the reason is you don't question everything. You just take action. You just do. I love like that. If, if That's, you, you, I've never thought about it that way. So people will tell you they believe something and mm. then do actions that are completely counter to that belief. Mm. My, my thinking is that then you don't actually believe it. Mm. I, if I said, I don't believe in gravity, but I refuse to walk off a cliff, then <laughs> you know I believe in gravity. Welcome to episode one, season two of Noticing the Obvious. I'm Tan Lei, and in this episode, I have Tim Conley speaking from Phoenix, Arizona. He's a business coach and a speaker and an advisor, and he's one of my favorite people on YouTube. His speciality is in coaching B2B service entrepreneurs on daily operations and leadership. This episode epitomizes what the podcast as a whole is about, which is personal and business philosophy. What do we notice about successful people in business and in life? I know I say this all the time, but I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, let's jump right into it. We start with a simple question, or what I thought was a simple question. Do you need to be a good person to succeed in marketing and really in business as a whole? Tim had an answer that surprised me. All right, Mr. Tim Conley, how are you, sir? I am well. Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to speaking to you for a long time. So I'm really glad you found the time to do this. Now, now if I could just get my wife to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, with your company... Uh, am I correct in saying you provide coaching and training mostly, or do you actually do, do you provide marketing services? I haven't provided marketing services directly in about 12 years. Uh, I, I made a switch from being a, I started off as like a consultant, just advising and creating uh, in individual projects for friends after my first business failed. It was kind of a, uh, we are still in business, and uh, this was during the dot-com crash, and there it was essentially, we're still in business, your business went under, uh, how do we not do what you did? That mm. was that was the basic start of my of my consulting career. That consulting career turned into a marketing agency. Uh, wow. I, I called it a marketing agency uh, for uh, not being a part of the ad agency world. Mm. But we did adverti uh, advertising uh, back then. It was called interactive advertising. Then okay. that eventually morphed into me becoming a business coach. Uh, I, not because I called myself a business coach, but because all the people who were coming to me said, I heard you're a business coach. And so about, uh, about 12 years ago, I stopped doing 
actual marketing, like creating ads, mm. writing copy for my clients, and started showing my clients how their team could do what I did. And okay. then that turned that eventually morphed into becoming a business coach uh, because I just advised companies on how to how to succeed. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I think uh, we were just just before we started recording, we were about to disagree on a point. So I would love to hear your uh, angle on this. I believe to be a successful marketer, you have to be a good person. What's your opinion on that? I wish that was true. Okay. But I have met very few good marketers. Good really? As in, good as in good human beings, uh, not as in good at their job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I believe you have to be a good human being in order to be good at your job if you're doing marketing. So you're saying... Why, why do you believe that? I'll turn this interview back around on you. <laughs> because... Uh, it all starts with you have to be a good person. Like Seth talks about you have to see, it, you have to learn to see before you can be seen. Uh, and Ryan Holiday's the same. So you don't think that's true? You think you can be successful without being a good person? I, I think there are, uh, well, let, let's, let's try to define good person. Okay, mm. uh, Ryan, like you mentioned Ryan Holiday. Ryan mm. Holiday created some of the most disgusting <laughs> yes, true, advertising true, true. ever. True, ever. true, yes. Okay, uh, a lot of people would have said he was not a good person at all. Yeah, but he wrote he, the book, right? Trust me, I'm lying. He, ca he, he, he came clean. A, a confession does not make you a good person. <laughs> okay, okay. Good okay, point. he might actually be a good person. I interviewed him for my Foolish Adventure show a long time ago. I Did loved you? that book. Okay, um, I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan. And, and like, I, you know, I really enjoyed that book because it was a... It was an actual, an honest, actual roadmap mm. of what marketers really do. Most, I, I would say... Um, uh, there's been studies like CEOs of large companies are uh, psychopathic, uh, are, you know, uh, on some form of spectrum of uh, psychopathy. Mm. Uh, and, and I would say marketers are definitely in that, in that space because wow. they are able to look at human behavior and yes. create desire, uh, whereas a normal person can't yes okay well then there is a quote it's not a superpower unless it can be used for evil meaning if you're good at something there is a chance there there isn't there is an opportunity for you to use it for good or use it for evil yes all right so just because some marketers exploit human needs does that make them successful marketers? You can be a successful marketer and not be a good human being. That, that's, that's the one thing that I've noticed. Okay. Uh, so years ago, I, I, like, I love the how to make money space. Mm. I don't cover it. <laughs> 
because yes. I got to see how the sausage was made. Years ago, I used to do some advertising, copywriting. Uh, I'd make sales letters and uh, and create uh, launches and everything for the how to make money crowd. And mm. uh, a few a few gurus from back uh, back then. Uh, I think a couple of them are still around. And the stuff that they would brag about showed you just how much they lacked empathy. Hmm. So, so one guy, one of the stories, and, and, I'll, and I'll make sure it's fairly anonymous because hmm. it's a pretty tight-knit circle even after all these years, yes. uh, but I'm not in it anymore. Uh, he, and this is, this is an old enough story where he was talking about uh, VHS tapes, Right? Mm. So he sold his, uh, his course with VHS tapes, and one of the tapes was blank. They, dis- they, dis- they discovered it. He, he discovered that one of the tapes went out completely blank, mm. and they had sold millions of dollars worth of this training program. What? And no one had complained that the tape was blank. What? It was near the beginning of the program, which meant no one was, was watching. watching the program. Ah, uh, that's funny. And he was like, I don't know. My <laughs> conundrum is, do I <laughs> yeah. make, make uh, spend the money yes. to actually Recall send them everything. out the, the, a, a cassette, mm. a, a VHS tape with the actual thing or not? Mm. Because mm. if I do, they're likely to return the program. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So he chose yeah. not to send it. He was just going to wait until they complained yep. and yep. then he would send it out individually. Yeah. That that right there uh, was one one of the key was one of the key lessons of the how to make money world is everyone in that space knows that 95% of the people who will buy the course and they do their marketing specifically for this group of people will never open it. Okay, so if, if we're saying you can be a bad person and still succeed, still make money, then what, what are good people supposed to do? If, you, if you're striving to be good and be successful... What, what are you supposed you gotta, to do? What, what's, your, what's your definition of good? Uh, was Steve Jobs good? Mm. <laughs> was he? What, was he good? Was he a good human being? By a lot of people's think- standards, he was an asshole. Yep. Like, so, so you've got to determine what you, uh, what you consider to be good. So people as successful... As, as Steve Jobs and, and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, most people who actually get to meet him are like, that guy is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. A not, not a nice guy at all. So what do you mean by good? Because these people who succeed at a world-class level have to put their ambition ahead of everyone Everything else's else. feelings or mm. they will never get there. 
So if your definition of good is, I put other people's feelings ahead of mine, you will never succeed. I love that. You just defined it. So I guess, all right, so what if I define good as, if we take it strictly to the marketing space, I'm not going to sell you, I'm not going to manipulate you into buying this thing that I know you don't need. Well, then you're not going to sell that thing. <laughs> right? that, that's the, the, you, you answered it. Like in, in the question, you answered the outcome. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is our goal is not to convince people, to change people's minds. It's to find the people that need the help and then provide the help. Mm, I used to I used to believe that uh, <laughs> I was naive, right? Oh gosh. Um, so so in in, in a uh, in a way, uh, I I believe that. Like, if you okay. want to start a company, the mm. best way to start a company is to uh, find a product or create a product that already fills a high demand area. Exactly. That uh, that's the easiest. But that does not move society forward. That mm. just fills a current need, okay. a current desire. Uh, I, let's go back to, uh, I, I don't know if he actually said this, but Henry Ford with yep. the quote of, uh, if I would have yep. asked my uh, customers what they wanted, they would have said, give me a faster horse. Yep. But instead, he gave them an automobile. They wanted a faster horse. He mm. gave them something that they did not want. Oh, they didn't and, know and, and, they ar wanted. and arguably, and arguably, humans didn't need cars. Yeah, that's we didn't very arguable. Need yeah. them, right? No. If you wanted to cross the country, you could have hopped on a train. <laughs> you didn't need a car. You, uh, if you wanted to get across town, you could have taken a, uh, a trolley. Uh, if you wanted to cross, uh, uh, go a few blocks and it was raining, you could hail a carriage. Mm. Right? You didn't need it. Mm. But where would the world be without it? Well, you needed it. You just didn't know you needed it, I would argue. Because once, once, okay. once it came, we were not going back. Same with exactly. cell phones, right? Exactly. And if so we look who at gets to be the who gets to be the arbiter of what that other person needs, right? Okay. So if they don't, if they don't know, they if they're not, if they're unaware that this product could be awesome then the marketer's job is to manipulate them into buying it and finding out. Okay, so this idea of providing people something they might not know they need, but okay. you know they need it. Okay. But you know they need it, right? So I've heard you talk a few times about, well, basically, the key thing you do is to help clarify vision. Right in business leaders in your clients. Uh -huh. Now, what do you do with people who don't know that 
they don't have clear vision? Um, I, I, I think the, I can't serve those who aren't searching for it. Right. So, so I would have to say that the only people that I actually affect are those who are searching for clarity. Yeah. Uh, they may not know that that's what they're actually searching for. They seldom do. Most of the clients I've ever had, they came to me for one thing and I gave them something completely different. Mm. So because they, they, they wouldn't need me if they actually knew what their real problem was. And, and I think un, uh, the underlying is that they, they suspect that the problem that they're trying to solve is not the actual problem. Hence, going and getting a consultant, getting a coach. Mm. So for all those who are in the unaware stage, all, yeah. I, can do is all I can do is produce uh, uh, educational content. That, 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 well, that's what I do specifically. There's other things that can be done. But I uh, produce educational content and let seekers find me. Find it. Yes, I love it. And the reason I'm asking is just because if we take it out of the business arena, just people in general... Do confused people know they're confused? And, it, you know, I feel like we all believe we have clear vision, but obviously we all cannot have it. So it scares me. Like, you know, do you know you have clear vision and do you know you're confused? How do you know? You know, I, I love this. I love this uh, whole conversation because it's <laughs> uh, so um, existential. Yeah. Um, the... The reality is no human being has vision. Wow. They, they may have goals, they mm. may have an objective, but they truly have no vision. Uh, so the reason, the reason is because we just can't see the future. Uh, mm. So I've always, I've always likened uh, vision to uh, sailing towards the horizon. Because mm. you can always see the horizon. It's like, there mm. it is. Like, there's the horizon right there. Do you ever get to it? No. Not, not once do you ever arrive at the horizon. Mm. It's, not, it's not possible. So all you can do is like look out and trust that your destination is somewhere over that horizon. Mm. And that is what we co actually call vision. If we arrive, they call you a visionary. If you don't arrive, no one talks about you. Mm. Like we talk about Steve Jobs because he arrived. He created a thing. He had a, a, a vision for a thing and it was a huge success. Yep. Had the iPod not been the success that it was, we would have never had the iPhone. Mm. But because that one did succeed, succeeded far above what any other MP3 player had ever achieved, because of that, he's, he was a visionary. What traits do you see in people that need clarity? Is it that they're indecisive, floundering? Well, and so that's the thing is, we're judging from the outside. Mm. 
So, so I've got, I've got a 20 year old daughter who's trying to find her way in the world. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I've talked with so many people trying to find their way in the world. And floundering sometimes leads to vision, sometimes leads to purpose. Because if you, <laughs> if you don't know something, the best way to find it is to just go out and try stuff. Go one direction, then go another direction, then go another. You know, be, be the ball in, a, in a, a pinball game. You know, bounce, bounce off of some things. You, you go one direction, you hit a wall that you're just like, nope, that is not for me. Go to another direction. Like those people, I actually see as seekers. Then, then you have uh, lots of people that I see that are certain, uh, certain that mm. their life's not going to get better, yep, yep. certain that, they're, uh, that the beliefs that they were raised with are the ones that are actually uh, the best for their life. Uh, people who are certain that whatever political things happening right now is is like a permanent yep. thing. Yeah, uh, it's like there's there's so many things that people are certain about. Yes. that I see that they they're certain because they have no clarity. Love it, I love it. Uh, but there are a lot of people who flounder, who just go through life just mostly because they're unwilling to make a decision. They're unwilling to be, uh, they're unwilling to hit the bar- those barriers inside of the pinball machine. They're just like, I'm just going to try to move through the pinball machine with ne- without ever touching the walls. And it's like, well, that's how you never score. Yeah. So you have to be willing to make some decisions, right or wrong. You have to be willing to make some choices. You have to be you have to be willing to make a lot of wrong decisions. Um, let me ask you something. I think you're one of the people out there who's giving so much amazing, accurate, explicit advice. Um, but I would argue not everybody who's listening is taking that advice. So I would say what, almost no one is. Right, right, there we go. So what is it about people where we know, why is it that we can't do the thing we know we're supposed to do? Belief system is, is what it is. Um, uh, for all of... Uh, Tony Robbins has a lot of, you know, crazy ideas, but he also has some really good ones about uh, belief, the things that we actually believe. So people will tell you they believe something Mm. and then do actions that are completely counter to that belief. Mm. My, My thinking is that then you don't actually believe it. If you tell me you believe this thing and all your actions are the opposite, then you don't believe that thing. Mm. I, if I said I don't believe in gravity, but I refuse to walk off a cliff, then <laughs> you know I believe in gravity. Yeah. Uh, so when people hear things that they know are true, 
they have a lot of other conflicting beliefs that prevent them from actually taking advantage of that thing. Um, could be their social circle. If I go this path, I may lose my social circle. Uh, most Mostly, we know that uh, we're one of the crabs in the bucket and all the other crabs are just going to pull us back down. So mm. we're just afraid of that... Uh, of being treated like that by the people that are closest to us. So we just avoid, we just avoid doing it. Uh, we, under, we understand there's a, a massive amount of risk involved in, in change uh, because we're, we evolved to be scared of the unknown because mm. uh, the unknown, most likely there's a saber tooth tiger in that unknown area over there. So uh, don't go there. Right? That's, that's how we're, we're wired. We're afraid of the unknown. As soon as it's made known, we're no longer afraid. Even if we see that there is a saber-toothed tiger, yeah, now we're scared of the saber-toothed tiger, but we're not scared of the thing of, well, maybe there's one. Because now we see one, we know what to do. Oh, we can climb the tree, we can uh, run away, we can fight. Like there's, there's things we can do when we know. When we yeah. don't know, we freak out as humans. So I suppose you could also, you could see it as a, uni it's a universal law of physics, right? Inertia. So if you're moving, you just keep moving. But if you're static, if you're in one position then you stay static. Maybe. Um, we have all sorts of reasons why we shouldn't move. We have all sorts of reasons why we should stop, uh, even when there is no friction. Uh, matter of fact, I've, I've worked with lots of people who are doing really well that created friction in their business so that they could slow down, so they could uh, stop because they were afraid of their own success. Hmm. So the, you, you think that is a real thing? People say they want to be successful. Nobody says they want to fail, right? Everybody says they want to succeed. But there is an element of fear, of success. Well, because it's unknown. It's undefined. So people who, like the, the whole idea of SMART goals, uh, if, if for people who don't know, I, I can't remember the exact acronym, but like SMART is an, uh, is an acronym for uh, specific, measurable, actionable, and I can't remember what the uh, last two are mm. that make up SMART. Uh, that SMART goals are making the future defined so that you can work towards it. Whereas uh, if you are working towards something that is not measurable, that is not specific, that, uh, that doesn't have direct action steps involved in it, people start to get a little worried because it falls under that unknown. And we are wired to be afraid of the unknown. Mm. I just looked it up for anyone who, who wanted to clarify it. It's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And, and, and I would say, okay, yeah, I couldn't remember the exact ones, but like realistic. That is, what's realistic? The unknown is not realistic. 
Because then, then you have, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term BHAG, uh, the big, hairy, audacious goal. You'll hear people throw that one out also. <laughs> okay, no, uh, well, I haven't A big, it. hairy, audacious goal, it's not a goal because it, uh, to, to be big, hairy, and audacious, it, it falls into the unknown. And, and so that means you can't really define it. And, uh, and so most people don't create uh, big, hairy, audacious goals because they're so scary. Cool. Okay, so let's um, finish with a positive. You've been okay. doing this for <laughs> over 20 years and you've seen countless businesses and leaders and CEOs. So can you give me what what patterns have you noticed? So one one or two obvious things that you see that successful leaders possess with your own eyes. What have you noticed? They act with very little thought. Hmm. Uh, they um, ignore other people's thoughts and feelings. They um, uh, don't quit. Like those three things. Okay, I'm surprised to hear that. So, ignore other people's thoughts and feelings. Okay, I guess that's that's not the same as ignore feedback or opinion, external opinion. Or well, is you it definitely you should definitely ignore external opinion? Really? Uh, that's, well, that's, other, co- that's that's other people's thoughts and feelings. But isn't that as a consultant? Isn't that what you provide? The external opinion. I uh, provide a ulterior perspective and 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 i tell my clients it's clearly opinion but Mm -hmm. i've seen enough perspectives over the years that i don't give my specific opinion i give Mm -hmm. what i've seen happen in similar situations so they've not yet faced the feedback loop so i show them uh, all, uh, what other people have gone through and what feedback they got. So feedback is fact. Mm. It happened. Okay. Thoughts and feelings, opinion, they've never happened. They're mm. just made up in someone's in someone's head. Their actions, their behaviors, those things are fact. So when, when I say the market tells you, it's not that they tell you in words, they mm. tell you in action. They, they tell you, you in deed, mm. right? Okay, so successful leaders ignore others' feelings, but they have to accept external feedback. Is that correct? How, do you, how should they differentiate? How can they tell which is external feedback and which is other people's feelings, opinions. Uh, do the do the people telling you this? Do they act with their voice, or are they just es- espousing something? I like it. Yeah. Right. So a cus- uh, so fo- uh, focus groups because uh, back when I got started in, in the agency game, ad agency game, 
the it was it was hilarious because we do these focus groups and it's when i first learned that people will tell you what they think you want to hear mm. and so one one of the best ways to find out if somebody will buy your product is to ask them to buy your product <laughs> not to ask them would you buy my product so focus groups are like, here, what do you think about this? If they have no skin in the game, which they don't in focus groups, they have no skin in the game, uh, there's nothing at risk. They will tell you whatever they think you want to hear. They will, they, uh, you would think that it's like you have no skin in the game. You could be as honest as you could possibly be. No, they're, they're seldom, uh, seldom honest. Like there's all these little tricks you have to do when running focus groups to get to the actual honest feedback because people won't tell you what they actually think because they want to tell you things that make them look good, not tell you things that actually help you. Yeah, which is why when you find someone who can give you what they, who can give you that, not tell you what you want to hear, but tell you the truth, then you should really value it, right? Yeah, but we're human, so we don't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's why the, the phrase, the truth hurts, yes. exists, oh, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. It, uh, so we, we say we it, want the truth, but we don't but want to be hurt at the same time, yeah. Yeah, we know it hurts, so we avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did forget about success, uh, successful people is resourcefulness. Yeah. Resourcefulness is one of the other, other factors. So, and, and I think that kind of falls under the don't quit category yeah. uh, because they're relentless. They find ways, yeah. They find ways to actually get it done. Most people, they run up to a barrier, usually one that they made up inside their head, not a, yep. f a real physical uh, barrier, but one that they imagine exists and then don't do it. Mm. It's why with ideas, a lot of people kill their ideas before they give them a chance to grow. So they... Uh, they come up with an idea. Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if I made this thing? Oh, but then there's this problem. Then there's this other problem. And then they kill the idea. Mm. That, that, that's why uh, you see products out in the world and you're like, man, I had that idea 10 years ago. Mm. Yep. It's like, yeah, you killed it. This person let, let that idea um, uh uh, germinate it let it let it kind of grow and and put down its first roots and put up its first sprout and then and then they went after it whereas most people they're like oh i got the seed of an idea i'm just gonna consume that seed right now mm. hey listen we talked about people knowing what to do and not being able to do it and having the information isn't enough. So let me ask you, if you have this information, you know that humans don't like to be hurt and the truth hurts. And that's why we try to avoid the truth. You personally, if you know this, what do you do to stop yourself from falling victim to this bias? Um, we all have it. <laughs> Uh, 
And there's areas of my life I'm sure I'm blind to. And I say, I'm sure they must exist. I don't know, because I'm blind to it. <laughs> wow. Does, right? So what do you do? What do you do to, to see those blind spots? Or do you not worry about it? Uh, it depends on it depends on if they're if if you feel those blind spots are holding you back or not because I've seen some very monetarily successful people with massive blind spots in their lives okay uh, but so don't you care. don't need to see all aspects you don't need to know yourself completely in order to succeed I, I well what do you mean by succeed? Like, you know, kind of like with good. If we're talking money, the less self-aware you are, the more money you can make. Wow. Okay. The, the reason is you don't question everything. You just take action. You just do. I love like that. If, if That's, you, you, I've never thought about it that way. The less self-aware you are, the more money you make. It, I, yeah. I'm not saying that it's no, I causal, see it. I see it. right? It's, it's that, it's that it's people, who, people who act make more money, right? They, if they sit around thinking about it, they don't make money. Yes. So okay. that, that's, that, that's, that's really, uh, that, that's what I see the most. Like, I, I remember there, I met this guy he, uh, early in my career, and he was very successful. And his, his whole thing was, uh, he bought, he bought into oil change, um, uh, franchises and he had a bunch of them in one area. And his whole thought process was, Hey, I saw this opportunity in like in a magazine or something, uh, cause he was looking for things to invest in. Mm-hmm. And his and he saw the franchise for a auto change uh, uh, shop, and he was like, "Oh, everybody has cars. All cars need oil changes. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna do it." He didn't like oil changes. He didn't like mm-hmm. anything about it. He just yeah. saw that hey, people, there's going to be no end to oil changes, at least for I don't know long after he's dead. <laughs> and so then after that, after the oil change, it, oh, uh, it was, I, oh, maybe it was gas stations first and then oil stations. Mm. And, and that's cause it's like, oh yeah, it was gas stations. He got uh, like a convenience store and then another one and another one. And then he's like, oh, what else do people have with their cars? Cause they're always going to need gas. Oh, they're always going to need oil changes. And he became a millionaire yep. with that sole thought it was the rest of it was all action yep love it and and he was not a very smart man okay but yep in answer to your question you said because i was asking about success you said money fine that works what if it's happiness what if i define success as happiness do i still can i get happiness without any self-awareness i Probably, probably, because um, you meet a lot of people who just uh, that just seem oblivious <laughs> yeah. to the world, right? So ignorance and, and I, and I is think, bliss. Yeah, I think so. I, like uh, contentment looks like ignorance. I love it. Another, another truth bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
You didn't know I was a philosopher, did you? <laughs> this is awesome, Tim. I mean, I could do this all day with you. All right, can I? Can you? Can we end with? Can you give me a couple of book recommendations, or what are you reading these days, or what are you watching? What? You know, I, I I actually don't like that question, uh, okay? Because uh, there's I've I've gone through different. Uh, let's let's just do what I've gone through. Okay. In in the early part of my career, I knew absolutely nothing, so I read everything. So that that's <laughs> so that's my recommendation. Uh, I used to read uh, uh, on average two books a week. And I did that for 15 years. Whoa. I don't even know how, how many books is that? I don't know. But a lot. Two a week. For, let's call it 100 um, a year for 15 yeah. years. hundred. So I've read at least 1500 books in that 15 year period. Then after that, I kind of felt I knew something. Like I had consumed lots of other people's knowledge. And I read books that were not about business. I did mm. read a bunch of business books. I, like in, at the beginning, I, uh, what I did was I found, because uh, I knew I was never going to Harvard, so I looked up Harvard Business School's uh, uh, recommended reading list for nice. their business program. Nice. And I, and I went to the library and I got those books and I read them. I was like, I'm gonna, re- I'm not gonna be a Harvard MBA, but I will know what they know. Yes, and and so that's what I, so so I did that. I read a bunch of books on marketing and advertising and copywriting and selling and I, like I, all the things around business. I read them, I read them all, but then I read just anything that uh, was that just tapped into my curiosity. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of like physics. Granted, the upper physics I can't comprehend because I can't do the math. I don't understand the math, so mm-hmm. so I fall short on that. But I love all the uh, layman's explanations of physics. Uh, you know that's why I really enjoyed uh, uh, Richard Feynman. Mm. Uh, but then, then like boat stuff, like sailing and like those, those sorts of things, read tons of books on sailing, read books on, uh, you know, I studied architecture in school. So I've read loads of books on architecture. Uh, I still like looking at, uh, looking and reading architecture books just mm. out of curiosity now, uh, and, and being a kind of a patron of the art and, uh, so that's what I do. Like I indulge my curiosity. So, so now for business, I only read what's necessary. Mm. Like just, just in time learning. Yes. I, I, I oh, don't I talk try about to, yeah. I don't try to consume a bunch of stuff now because, well, I already have a foundation of knowledge yeah. and not just a foundation of knowledge, that foundation of knowledge turned into a foundation of experience. So now I read for learning something new that I need. Exactly. I've, I talk about I've got, that. I've got my, uh, my philosophy down. I've got my, um, um, virtues down. I yep. like, I know who I am. Now yeah. I know my character. Now it's a matter of just do I do I need to know this to accomplish this in my yes. business, or do I need yes. to know this yes. other thing? Right. I love it. 
Yep. So that it's, so that's what I recommend today because you know I used to like when somebody would ask me like I'd rattle off a dozen books like okay. oh you should read that you should read that but then I realized I have no idea where they're at in their yeah, lives. I love it. Mm-hmm. So do, if, if you're at the beginning, read everything. If it yep. looks even remotely interesting, read it. Yep. If it doesn't look interesting, maybe you need to read it because you need it. And then read for curiosity's sake. Do you reread much? Do you reread things that you've already read? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Things that that I find new stuff in all the time. So I go back and I'll, I'll read a book. Uh, one, one of my favorites that, that I do recommend, I, I give it as a gift. Hit me. And it's not a particularly good book. Okay. Uh, is uh, How to Get Everything You Can Out of All You've Got by J. Abraham. Okay. It, uh, uh, J. Abraham was influential in the creation of my career. Uh, specifically a phone call where he basically told me, uh, kind of gave me permission to go after being the consultant, be, uh, you know, selling my ideas and my thoughts. Uh, but then that book was a great way of, uh, of framing the fact that we've got more resources available to us than, uh, than we believe we do. Yes. Right in the beginning of it, uh, there's three ways to grow a business. I used those three questions as the foundation of my, uh, of my advertising and marketing for years. And how long ago was this? Uh, I think the book came out. Oh, I can't even remember how long ago the book came out. Uh, but when you used it, like when you started your advertising? Uh, 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 so, so uh, I'd, I'd been doing advertising and marketing, but when, I, when uh, Jay had already put that information out outside of the book, but I've, I've, I always reference it because it's like right in the beginning of this book. It's like within pages of the beginning. It's okay. the three ways uh, to grow a business is get more customers, uh, get them to spend <laughs> more, uh, you know, spend more with you, and mm. then to get them to buy more often. And, and then I use that to evaluate businesses based upon uh, where, where do they fall short on those three things. Awesome. <laughs> those three things sound like the perfect thing for this podcast, because as you know, it's called noticing the obvious. So I can't think of three more things more obvious than get more customers, get them to pay more and get them to buy more often. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, Tim, thank you so much for the time. It's, it, was, it was a huge pleasure. I, I love speaking with you. Well, thank you for having me on and, and letting me indulge my uh, f- uh, philosopher notions. <laughs> I love it. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you again and see you next time. Come again, please. Come back again sometime. Oh, that would be fun. Okay, so that was Mr. Tim Conley. His website is timconnolly.net. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram. I'm Tan Lei. That's it from me. Thanks for listening. Join me again on the next episode.